Welcome to Real Christianity, a weekly show designed to help Christians know their Bible, defend their faith, and truly understand what it means to follow Jesus. The premise is simple. The culture is getting louder. The church is getting flashier, but few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is Dale Partridge, along with my incredible wife, Veronica. Join us as we start an important conversation about what it really means to be a Christian. Welcome to Real Christianity. Today, we are talking about the missing element of modern Christianity. Yeah, guys, I used to think that the missing element of modern Christianity was community. I think that if we just, you know, had community, that we would finally see Jesus uh, in, in a way that we had before. And then before that, I thought, hey, it was missions. That was the missing element. If we just did more outreach to the broken and to the lost, then yeah, man, you know, then more people would, uh, would see Jesus. And, uh, you know, there's, there's something that I found in my study that there's, that's deeper than these two elements that is preventing the world from not seeing Jesus. And I believe it's a missing element to modern Christianity. And I think it's what makes Christianity feel dull and oftentimes flat. That's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. Yeah, but before we jump into that, um, I know you guys have probably heard on the last few episodes, Dale and I just relaunched Ultimate Marriage, the program, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a six-week course for you and your spouse to go through, or you can even go through it in a small group type setting. Yep. Um, And then there's, you know, six downloadable marriage challenge checklist PDFs um, and really great questions just to go through with one another to help bring more unity um, into a marriage. And so if you're interested in that, you can go ahead and sign up at ultimatemarriage.com. Yeah, it's a really great program. If you just need yet to strengthen your marriage, want to invest in your marriage, guys, we are so excited. At least go to the ultimatemarriage.com and check it out uh, or consider doing it with your small group. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing, guys, I launched the pre-order of my new book. I'm going to give you the same URL. So even if you listen to this episode long after it's been published, you can still find it there. You just go to relearnchurch.org forward slash RC for Real Christianity. So the name of the book is Real Christianity. Uh, The subtitle is How to Be Bold for Christ in a Culture of Darkness. And it is a short read. It's it's five by seven, so it's a small kind of pocketbook. It's hardcover, and it's 150 pages. Uh, It takes about an hour and 10 minutes to read through it. Trust me, I've done it several times when I was editing it. But guys, it's a great way to support our ministry as well as getting a great, um, I think, tool to understand what biblical Christianity really is and how to represent Christ. So again, if you want to pre-order the book, um, you can go to relearnchurch.org forward slash RC. Okay, Dale. So hopping back into the topic of this week's episode, um, what is the missing element that you're talking about? What is the um, the cause of what you have called flat Christianity? 
All right, guys, brace yourself because I'm about to give you a pretty anticlimactic answer. Okay. Um, and I know that was the opposite of what you were thinking, but it's personal holiness. Okay. Personal holiness is, I think, what's missing in the modern church, especially the Western church. And I want to explain because I really do believe that I put together a pretty strong biblical argument for why holiness is so critical in evangelism, in the gospel, in discipleship, in maturity. And I think it's a really important uh, discipline and element of Christianity that we're kind of unfamiliar with. And so personal holiness, I'm going to kind of break this down for a second, and then we're going to dive into some scriptures later in this episode. Personal holiness is the evidence of God on a person. Okay, I want you to hear that. Please pay attention. Personal holiness is the evidence of God upon a person. And it's the walking and talking and breathing transformative supernatural power of the cross pouring out in somebody's life. That's what personal holiness is. If someone claims to be a Christian and they, uh, you know, they're not exhibiting or presenting the uh, a peculiar life or a holy life or a different life. Yeah, they look just like the rest of the world. If they look just like the rest of the world, why would anybody be interested in coming to Christ for any other reason, right? I mean, it, it's just not compelling. And if Christ has not changed you, if you're still behaving the exact same way you did before you encountered Christ, then why should somebody believe that it would change them? And, you know, I'm going to break this down a little bit more. When, when an addict uh, stops doing drugs, that's holiness. When they're no longer a slave to drugs, that's holiness. When a man no longer looks at pornography, when 98% of men, secular men, look at pornography on a regular basis, when a man stops looking at pornography, that's holiness. That's the transformative power of God upon a person. Um, you know, when a person returns uh, love for hate, that's holiness. Uh, when a wife protects her husband's reputation, even when he fails, that's holiness. When a man stands for truth that costs him his job, that's holiness. Uh, when a young man uh, refuses to have sex before he's married, that's holiness. When a young woman uh, decides to, to wear modest clothing for the love of others, that's holiness. Okay, holiness, guys, is the real-life testimony of God's miraculous work in your life. It's the changing of affections, the changing of inclinations, the changing of behaviors that is impossible without Christ. It's a love for godly things instead of a love for sin. And everybody that's trapped in sin sees that and goes, how, did, how do you do that? How, how do you break free? Why are you so different? This is an incredibly powerful proof of God in the church when you can walk in personal holiness. Yeah, so um, first, before we dive in even more, um, Dale and I just want to be clear that we have no desire to make holiness an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, holiness is not Christ, and we know that. Um, and as Dale said, we believe holiness is the evidence of God's work in the life of a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, and holiness is not about 
earning our righteousness through what we've done. It's about showing our righteousness because of what he's done, what he's done inside of us. Um, and it's not legalism. It's just basic obedience. Yes. Um, holiness is not to be a work motivated by a law. It's a response motivated by love. Yeah. Say that again. <laughs> holiness is not a work motivated by law. It's a response motivated by love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holiness is really just the natural response of somebody that's being redeemed. Mm-hmm. If you're not becoming more like Christ, who is holy, uh, that's a problem, right? This is the natural response is personal holiness when you encounter Jesus Christ. And it's going to happen all throughout your lifetime. Yes. With your journey with the Lord. Um, so let's back it up a little bit. Um, so what is holiness? Well, um, according to the dictionary, it means to be set apart. But the way that I have viewed it is to be utterly unique um, because God, God is holy because there is no one like him. Mm -hmm. Um, He is utterly unique. Mm -hmm. Now, this also means he is pure and without sin. He is perfect. um, Again, making him unique and, of course, holy. Mm -hmm. Um, And as Christians... We first experience holy when we're saved. Yeah, we become um, holy mm-hmm. in this process being yeah, set apart, right? Yeah, because we're set apart or sealed, as uh, they call it in the book of Ephesians. Um, but the Bible's call for holiness reaches far beyond our justification. Um, the Bible calls us to death, to be born again, and to be regenerated, to be renewed, and to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Yeah, so there's... The idea of holiness is you're set apart, you're different, you're utterly unique. And step one is that when you come to Christ, you're you're justified, you're saved. There's a difference between sanctified, which we're talking about in a bit, um, but but you're justified, you're set apart. You you are initiating the process of becoming holy. And then, as you said here, the Bible calls us to to death, and then to be born again and then to be regenerated and be renewed and then to walk in a certain manner, right? Um, and I think that the major cause of the church's deficiency in personal holiness is that when most Christians came to Christ, they never truly died. When they came to Christ's altar, they never truly died. And they, they believe in Christ. They, they, uh, they even want a partial relationship of some form with, with Christ. Uh, but they're still very much living in their own will. Mm-hmm. And I want you to examine yourself against these words right now. Okay, death, spiritual, uh, the call to die in terms of dying to the flesh. Um, that death is the door to holiness, to becoming more like Christ. It's this, the initiation of, of your relationship with Christ, this is, again, why we are called to be born again. And, you know, many of you have come to faith through what the church is called an altar call. We've heard that, you know, there's an altar call at the end of the service where people can come forward. And uh, 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 an important part to explain here is that an altar is a place of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's a place that you go to die. In the Old Testament, an altar was a stack of stones, in the New Testament, the altar was a cross. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jesus was sacrificed as, um, our, you know, for, for the atonement of our sins on that altar, which was a cross. And Jesus tells us to pick up that cross daily 
to pick up that altar daily and die and let it continue to do its deadly work in our lives. And again, this is why Jesus calls us to be born again, because we have to die in the flesh to be made alive in the spirit. Uh, This is also why Paul wrote Galatians 2.20. This is a, a verse that everybody should consider memorizing. It's a great verse. It's Paul, and he writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. If you struggle to understand this, it's probably because you haven't fully died. And I, I'm, I'm going to say all of us are on this journey mm-hmm. of picking up that cross. But really relinquishing the authority of your life and your own will to the Lord is what this is talking about. And so have you died? Are you becoming holy? Because it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. This is important questions, an important question to ask. The kingdom of self is heavily defended territory. Uh, We don't want to pick up that cross. We don't want to die in our flesh. Um, Galatians 5.17 says that there's a war. It says, uh, for the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another to keep you from doing the things that you wish. Man, like there's a war going on constantly. So the cost of Christianity is nothing less than everything. That's really what Jesus wants. He wants everything. And again, this is the front door to holiness, to making room for him because you're no longer there. And it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, It is a process, but there must be a desire for it to happen. And It's not something that you muster up either. It's not something you just discipline yourself to become more holy on your own strength. It's something that you lay on the ground and you get before the Lord and you go, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me this uh, strength. Fill me with you so that I can understand your truth. Pour out of me your will. Let me remove myself and put you in my place. Give me a hunger. Give me a desire. Those are really important prayers to ask. Hey, Dale Partridge here. We hope this podcast has been a blessing to your walk with God. For those that don't know, Real Christianity is an audio ministry under our nonprofit, relearnchurch.org. I'm telling you this because we're a listener-supported podcast. It takes a small team, a serious amount of equipment, and several hours per week to keep this show going. I share this because Veronica and I want to grow the reach of this show so that it might help even more Christians mature in their understanding of God's Word. So if you're a regular listener to this podcast, would you consider supporting us in this ministry effort? We're not asking for much, maybe $10, $20, or $25 per month. I promise you that your support will help us continue to get God's truth out, to strengthen the body of Christ, and to further the gospel. If you feel led to make a donation, simply go to relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you so much for your consideration. Yeah, so this process that Dale's talking about, uh, the picking up of your cross, dying to your flesh, and 
walking in the spirit is called sanctification. And sanctification is literally defined as the process of being made or becoming holy. Mm. And again, like we said earlier, this is going to be a lifelong journey with your walk with Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, You're always hopefully being sanctified more and more. Um, But you need to ask yourself, are, are you being sanctified by God's spirit? Are you being convicted of your sin? Are you being purified by his word? Am I becoming more like Christ? These are the questions that we should be asking ourselves fairly frequently. Yes. Um, And as you guys know, um, we're very focused on scripture in this show. And we don't ever want to um, offer our opinions without backing them up with the Bible. So we're going to go over a few scriptures that discuss this call for personal holiness in the life of the believer. Um, and we're going to start with 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, mm-hmm. and this is going to be in the ESV. Um, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Okay, Peter got this, right? He really understood this. One, he opens up with as obedient children. He's assuming obedience. So, people, Peter's talking to you. If you're a Christian, uh, are you obedient? First thing, right? He's talking to you as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Whatever you liked pre-Christ, whatever you talked about pre-Christ, whatever you loved pre-Christ, whatever you did pre-Christ, don't go back to that, is what he's saying. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. You don't get to have the secret truce with some sin over here in the corner that you get to kind of have a private, you know, relationship with. Because it's not that bad. Because it's not that bad. All your conduct gets to be made holy. And he says, since it is written... You shall be holy, for I am holy. He's referencing the Old Testament there in the words of the Lord. And so uh, I think this, this verse is actually strikingly similar to Romans 12, too. You guys know this verse. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, re- by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, what is the good and, and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's this process, again, of becoming, becoming, becoming. It's sanctification, as Veronica said. Um, the second thing I want to point out is that God doesn't command us to do things that we're incapable of doing. And he commands us to be holy because we can be holy. And he wants us to be holy. So that's important, uh, an important point. Now, sin doesn't happen to you. We choose it. Mm -hmm. The same thing is true with holiness. Holiness doesn't happen to you. Uh, We choose it in some capacity. Now, I know there's a process of behavior modification and there's a process of spiritual outpouring. But it happens, it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. It's a really important thing to understand. So another point I want to make is, is, do you actually pursue holiness as passionately as you pursued sin prior to coming to Christ? That's a massive question. Are you pursuing holiness with the same passion and uh, industry, just the desire that you're working, that you did for sin prior to coming to Christ? Um, Is your desire for God outpacing your desire for sin and the things 
of this world. And if it's not, if you're still struggling with looking at pornography and having sex with your boyfriend and getting drunk on the weekends and speaking poorly about people and using foul language and whatever other marks of the world are just on you still, you need to get before the Lord and go, God, purify me. Clean me out. Bring conviction upon me, deep conviction, and rip that out of me. Because when people see that and you call yourself a Christian, they go, oh, cool, I don't want that Christ. There's nothing different about that guy. But when you're different and you're loving and the marks of the fruit of the Spirit are laying upon you, people see Christ. People see Christ. I would Christ. say even, as, even worse, they see that on you. And if you're a more mature believer, been a believer longer, it actually influences them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I can be a Christian and do that too. And you're actually putting off a false representation of Christ. Yeah, I've talked to mature Christians, people that have called themselves pastors, and they're using, you know, weird language, borderline foul language on the phone with me or in conversation. I go, man, you're a, you're a pastor. People are looking to you as your example to modify their faith to look like yours. And that's, that's a very important point that she made there. So um, Dale found this quote that he shared with me the other day um, by in the 1800s theologian J.C. Ryle, and you kind of touched on, you know, you shared a little bit of his quote earlier in the show. Um, But he wrote an incredible book called Holiness, and he says, Holiness will cost a man his sins. He must be willing to give up every habit and practice which is wrong in God's sight. There must be no separate truce with any special sin which he loves. Sadly, our sins are often dear to us as our children. We love them. We hug them, cleave to them, delight in them. And to part with them is as hard as cutting off your right hand or plucking out your right eye. But as the scriptures instruct, it must be done. The parting must come. Mm. I want to just stop there for a quick second. I love how he brought the connection where Jesus says, hey, if the sin makes you stumble that way, then cut off your right hand and pluck out your right eye. Jesus is going, hey, go to the full extreme. I know you love it. I know you love your sin. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Be holy as I am holy. Mm -hmm. So good. So the next verse that we're going to be jumping into is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, and it reads, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So um, I'm going to break this verse down. I was studying this verse. I was looking for verses on holiness. Um, I just got done reading part of that book that Veronica just mentioned. It's it's called Holiness uh, by J.C. Ryle, written in the 1800s. And I looked up this verse, and someone used this verse, I think, incorrectly. But it was listed in the holiness scriptures, and they were explaining it in an incorrect interpretation, in my understanding. And I was just praying over this verse, and I felt like the Lord revealed to me kind of what I was already putting together about this show. And I, uh, I then looked at some commentaries to make sure that my interpretation was correct. And I found several uh, trusted theologians with the same interpretation, which always brings me peace when I'm teaching. Um, so I'm going to read this verse one more time. It's Hebrews 12, 4, 14. It says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, comma, without which no one will see the Lord. Okay, I want to explain something here. Let's just say that you walked into a room, and on the room there's this huge wall, and on that wall there was a thousand gray dots. 
Now, of those thousand gray dots, there's one dot that is yellow. Okay, so I guess there's 999 gray dots. And one yellow dot. Which dot is your eye going to notice? The yellow one. The yellow one. And that's interesting because scientifically, the human mind is only or is designed only to notice what is different. Mm -hmm. we, we do this all the time. Just think about uh, marketing. The goal is to look different, right? To be radically different. If you look at a child and they walk across the carpet of a huge room and the carpet looks all the same, but there's a coin in the middle of the room on the floor, what is the kid going to do? They're going to notice that coin and they're going to pick it up and probably put it in their mouth. But they notice what's different. And that's important because the apostle is telling us that peace and holiness is the illumination. Okay? It's, it's bringing notice. Um, it's the illumination of Christ in what I would call a chaotic and a dark world. And so just like we see in the Old Testament, um, holiness was the means by which God's people were identified by the other nations. In a sea of gray dot nations, Israel was this yellow dot. They looked different. They ate different. They dressed different. They worked different. They rest different. They did everything differently. They had a different triune God. Okay, they, they, Their God floated over them in a, in a cloud. Okay, just everything was different than the other nations. And they were a set-apart people. So when he says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. It's my point that I made in the opening of this podcast, is that if you don't have holiness, people aren't going to see the Lord. And when you want to know why the, the church is so flat and dull, is because there's no supernatural transformative power on anybody. Because everybody's still looking like the world and acting like the world and spending money like the world and in debt like the world and looking porn like the world and getting divorces like the world and putting their kids where other people in the world put their kids. And there's nothing different. We look like the world in so many instances. And so, um, you know, we're to pursue holiness. This is what this passage talks to us. We're not only in our behavior modification, but also, again, asking God's supernatural power. And so the bottom line is this, guys. Um, when the church is holy, it's like a city on a hill. That's really what it is. It's like a city. It's like a glowing city on the hill. You can't help but notice it. Um, and like a lighthouse on the sea, when you're on the sea, you just see it. That's what the church needs to be. And people notice it. It's unique. It drives curiosity. Okay, it, it, it's not its ability to save Holiness isn't going to save anybody. The gospel is the only thing that can save. But it does demonstrate the power of the gospel. I would say and it's, an, it's an apologetic to the gospel. It's the evidence. It's the miracles. You know, Jesus did miracles. It was the pre-evangelistic miracles that brought people to go, wow, like this is amazing. And um, when you're holy, people notice. And for some of you, being holy and some parts of the world will cost you your life. And, and here in Western culture, it might cost you your job or cost you being liked. 
Sometimes it might even lead to conversion from, from another brother that you planted a seed with or, or a conversation about the gospel. But we are, regardless of what it means, wherever you're at, we're called to present his redeeming work, his holiness to the world. So as we close out today, I know it can be very difficult to create something that you've never seen or walk out something that you've never seen. I know this is true for us for parenting, Mm -hmm. for marriage, you know, community church. Um, There's, I've been diving into a lot of Puritan works and uh, reading about the Puritans. And I don't agree with everything the Puritans did, but I agree with a lot of what the Puritans did. And they, they were given that name Puritan um, as a mocking term because they, they were, you know, trying to purify themselves, uh, living their entire lives to the glory of God. Well, there's a really great publisher um, that we're working with, and we're trying to just introduce our audience to, I guess, a layer above the normal publisher. Because there's a lot of publishers out there that are just publishing entertaining crap. Things that are literally devotionals that make me feel good about me instead of making God exalted. You know, and if you want to go read really rich, dense material, there's some great publishers out there, and we're going to do that over the next couple months. But the first publisher that we're working with um, is Reformation Heritage Publishing. It's just heritagebooks.org. And they have a great collection of really awesome books on the Puritans and uh, some really old stuff from the 1600s and 1700s. So wanted you guys to check that out. Um, heritagebooks.org. Okay. Um, last announcements. Why don't you close this out about reviews? You've never done the reviews. You can do it, though. You've heard me say it a thousand times. <laughs> If you're a regular listener and this show has blessed you in some way, if you could go ahead and leave us a review. Um, you don't have to say anything. You can go ahead and just tap the stars. But yep. if you do write something, Dale will read it. I will read <laughs> it. <laughs> Guys, for those of you that have left reviews and written a review, man, they like break my heart sometimes. They're just like, oh, these are so I in, in a good way. I read the ones that Dale sends me. I don't read them usually. Yeah. Dale reads them. I'm, I, yeah. So anyways, thank you guys. Um, and again, also, if you are interested in picking up a copy of my new book, just go to relearnchurch.org forward slash RC and also our marriage program again at ultimatemarriage.com. Well, guys, we will see you next Wednesday. Take care. Hey, Dale Partridge here. I think Christians underestimate the influence the culture can have on us. I think without even noticing, many of us have traded this incredible life that God wants for us for an empty counterfeit. If you haven't realized, the church has become comfortable with things we shouldn't be comfortable with. We've normalized things in our work, our marriages, our families, and our finances that are not normal. But the question I have for you is this, what does the Bible say about what's normal? What kind of life should Christians be chasing? What if I told you that what's popular isn't superior? What if I told you that what seems smart isn't actually right? What if I told you that the world's view of success is actually God's definition of failure? The Bible says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. So what if we're doing it wrong? What if the lives of those who follow Jesus look more like the culture than like Christ? 
What if the life we're so desperate to have isn't something to seek after, but actually to be saved from? I answer these questions in my latest book, Saved from Success, how God can free you from culture's distortion of family, work, and the good life. It's a short, convicting, bold book. Get your copy in hardback or audiobook at relearnchurch.org forward slash success. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash success. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is an audio ministry of relearnchurch.org. If you'd like more information on how to live out a biblical life, relearnchurch.org hosts a variety of articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos to support your journey. Real Christianity is a 100% listener-supported ministry, and if you'd like to support our efforts, simply click the Donate tab at relearnchurch.org. You can also connect with both Veronica and I on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for daily lessons and Bible teachings. Thank you for being with us today. We hope to see you next Wednesday for another episode of Real Christianity.